Iowa Everywhere. Hi boys, it's game day. Let's go, let's go. Big game, got a big game today. A package has arrived. That's sweet. Nice. Goal! Great win, fellas. What game's next? G-Men are having a great year. Let's go blue! Here we go, primetime football. Texans, Dolphins, let's do this. Yes! You. Yes! Yes! Heartland Flags. Every sport, every team, every flag. Every team? That's right. Fine, fine. I'll get a Washington flag, too. Find your flag and so much more with fast, free shipping. Heartlandflags.com. Every sport, every team, every flag. Almost. Loyal sons forever true. Go Cyclones. From the Channel Seed Studios, Nick Oson and Jake Brands talk all things Big 12. This is Clooney and Trench. Powered by Heartland Flags and Gifts. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Here's Nick and Jake on Iowa Everywhere. Welcome to the Channel Seed Studios. I'm Jake Brand with Local 5. Joined by Nick Oson of 24-7 Sports up in Madison. Can you show off that shirt? That thing is sick. <laughs> Decided to mix it up a little bit today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love this it. from BV, friend of the show. Just having a little fun. Friend of the program. Well, we got a good show in store for you today. We're going we're gonna to react to a pretty big Cyclone win over TCU. Look ahead to a trip to Cincinnati. Of course, we've got our Big 12 picks, and then we're going to close with a little Cyclones in the NFL. It was a really good day um, for Cyclones and Hawkeyes in the NFL on Sunday. But let's just dive right into it. Of course, as always, we want to thank Heartland Flags, our presenting sponsor, any flag, any team. And I hear, I don't know, I, I hear I've got something in the mail. I don't know. I was told the same. We'll see it. Could it be a flag? Could it be a Simpson College flag? Could it be a Chicago Blackhawks flag? We watched my Hawks get a huge win last night over Pittsburgh. We'll see. I guess uh, I guess we'll have to find out on next week's show. It'll be hanging right there behind me next to my "Don't Bet on Texas Tech" sign. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if Heartland would make a would make a flag like that. But for real, if you're wanting any flag, show off your team pride. You can. Order online at heartlandflags.com or in-store at 3719 Southwest 9th in Des Moines. Of course, they can ship anywhere in the U.S. for free. How do you like the sound of that? I, I love it. You know, this has been one of, obviously, my favorite sponsors. I think I'm going to be getting a little something, too. And, you know, we're working on figuring out what's going to go behind me here for kind of my display. So maybe that could be added to the mix a little bit. All right. Well, uh, it would have been certainly a good day to fly an Iowa State Heartland flag on Saturday. The Cyclones win 27-14 over TCU in a game that, strangely enough, felt closer 
and more of a blowout than that. We'll explain that a little bit as we talk, but I, I can start, and I, I just want to, I want to start with giving credit to the Iowa State staff. I've, I've been critical this year, like a lot of fans, like a lot of media have, for uh, how the first three games they just ran their head into a brick wall expecting the wall to break, and it didn't. I was one that called for change. A lot of other people called for change, too, and they did. And I got to give credit, one, to the big picture changes. I mean, it's it's not easy to change a philosophy, change a, change a scheme that you prepare the whole offseason for. So hats off to the Iowa State staff. Hats off to Matt Campbell, Nate Shieldhouse, everyone in that locker room. And then the second part of this, I want to give credit to the staff for making halftime adjustments because, uh, of course, you can make a change on a Tuesday. That's a lot different than making a change within 20 minutes of a halftime. And and Iowa State, I don't know what they did at that halftime um, on both sides of the ball, offense and defense, but whatever they made a change in was the reason that Iowa State won the game. And um, whether it was – spreading out the field a little more and, and uh, allowing those running backs to get some holes or whatever John Haycock told his defense on tackling in secondary, it all came together for a really, really nice Cyclone win. Yeah, Jake, absolutely. You know, it's really tough to kind of disagree with any of that. I first wasn't sure if, you know, when you were mentioning giving credit, if we were about to have our producer, Mr. Wyatt, bring back the audio from last week. But I was pretty confident in Iowa State in this one. I said that the next time we'd kind of be rolling this, uh, Cyclones would be 3-3. Three and three. I just felt like that was kind of the perfect spot for Iowa State. You know, we often talk about spots when we're making our picks and things like that. I think TCU was vastly overrated. I understand why they were. Obviously, having been in the national championship game, uh, last season, really a, a miracle-type season. But I just think that people tend to overreact to things like that, and I think people were getting too low on Iowa State. I've been pretty uh, consistent about that this season. I think that, you know, while you mentioned the coaching staff and they did really a, a fantastic job with some of those things you mentioned, I also want to give credit to a little bit of what we saw really from the offensive line. I think that the running backs put up, you know, some pretty impressive, certainly above average numbers. But for a couple of those scores, specifically the one that's getting a ton of traction still on social media, that Abu Sama run, I mean, Jake, we could have picked up a good amount of yards if we kind of had the ball on that play. And that's obviously not taken away from Abu, who's been incredible. That's just talking about the size of the hole on that play. I think that that's another – that's another Nick Olson first down. <laughs> you would have picked up a first down on that play. What, oh, a, yeah. what, a, what a block from uh, from Ben Bramer. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, that that's one of my notes kind of later down the line. But I think the offense is starting to really find that balance. I think that it was often, you know, kind of – trying really hard to establish the run game, which I totally understand. I think there is talent back there. But now it feels like it's kind of a hybrid mix of, you know, utilizing the best of the run game, best of the pass. And, again, it's still early. 
Iowa State, I believe, is three and three now, of course. But I think the hope is starting to kind of consistently rise among, among the fan base and a lot of people that follow this team right now. Yeah, and you mentioned the run game. The problem was never trying to establish the run. Like that, in theory, you have to be able to run the ball at least a little bit if you want to win football games. It was just how they did it. And now they've gone about it in a different way where you're using your weapons outside the hash marks and you're using more of the field. Teams can't load nine in the box. And now I think, one, naturally it's just easier for an offensive line to block six guys instead of nine. That's basic math. But also because they've had the consistency in doing that and they've had more Freedom might be the the right word. They've probably had more grace to grow as a unit, gain confidence, because they haven't had to go against these nine-man fronts. Um, but you, you mentioned the long term. I said last week that if Iowa State lost that game, they weren't going to make a bowl. So you win that game, and you win it in, I think, more dominant fashion than definitely I expected, probably more than, than what most expected. And it was another terrible week for the Big 12 outside of outside of the SEC schools. <laughs> and I think all of that coming together, you can start to see a world where it's a pretty good season for Iowa State and not win out, not win eight games or whatever. But But I think all the stars are there for Iowa State to get to six wins. You've got two... I wouldn't say very winnable. You've got two winnable games on the road coming up. Mm-hmm. One, I would say, is very winnable against Baylor. You you get one of those. You get two of those. I, I think we've just seen how much this young team has grown. And I think it, it's so easy during football games to forget how many freshmen are on the field. And I, I'm trying to remember the number. I think Brent Bloom tweeted that Iowa State played 17 true freshmen. It was 17. 17. Yeah. So you've got that many guys. Their first true road game at Ohio. Horrible, horrible loss. You got you got food poison. I think I, for one, I, I admit that I, I probably overreacted a little bit. I think a lot of it was fair. It's okay, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of it was fair, but – now you've set up a young team in a favorable three, four-game stretch on this schedule to go and get some wins, and sure. Could could they make a bowl game? Awesome. That would be great. That would be great for this confidence. But even if they don't, uh, the current trajectory that they're on right now will set up for what could be an exciting, truly new Big 12 next year in 2024, and Iowa State could be right in the running to, to be one of the top teams in that conference. Yeah, Jake, you know, I was speaking with somebody recently, and I I actually think whether they make a bowl game or not this year, and I've, you know, been consistent. I think that they will around that six or seven win mark. But I think they could be among the absolute best teams in the new Big 12 next year. I mean, you think about what, I guess this team loses or, or you expect them to lose. You know, TJ Temple will go to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a guy like Easton Dean wrapping up his career, a couple of the older offensive linemen, and Gary Vaughn. But outside of that, I mean, they return a lot. Marco, 
obviously JJ, basically the entire backfield, just about all of the wideouts that really get looks, almost the entire secondary, a lot of the young defensive line, and just about all of the linebackers other than the yeah. guy. So I, I think that with that core, the staff coming back and some momentum this season, like you mentioned, I think next season could be one that is really potentially uh, especially memorable for Iowa State if all of those things happen. You know, some of those stars or kind of guys that have impressed obviously come back, and the team just continues to build. But that's why, while I totally understand why, you know, people, fans were, you know, frustrated or impatient, things like that, why I've just kind of continued to preach, like, have your foot on the brakes a little bit. Still early in the season. There's so much young talent, and now I think you're starting to see a lot of that potential come to fruition on Saturdays. Were you able to watch any of that K-State-Oklahoma State game? Well, even if you weren't, you, you saw the final score. Yeah. Did, did that, combined with watching Iowa State on Saturday and, and maybe looking at Tech just throttling Baylor, does any of that change maybe your expectations or win total for Iowa State? Maybe going up a little bit, but but I I got to be honest. When we kind of started the show, I was at seven, so I don't think oh, that I oh yeah you were yeah I don't think I would kind of go it would be tough and and say that you know basically they rattle off seven or eight in a row and and end up at eight or nine wins, but like. That seven looks a lot more possible. And you mentioned these road games coming up, Jake. I think, yeah, even one of those, right? You're sitting at four and four then. That puts you in a pretty good spot. I still think that those last two games are going to be tough. But, like, a couple in between, I believe it's Kansas at home and and the BYU trip. I think there's still a lot of winnable games on the schedule. And that's why, you know, I think anything less than – Five wins is really disappointing. At oh, this, yeah, yeah, easily. When you're sitting I, at three and three. I would, I would move my prediction back to six. That's what I said preseason. Okay. Uh, and then after the Ohio game, I think I said three. And I, then I think after the Oklahoma State game, I got myself back up to that, that four or five range. Yep. Yeah, you did say that. And I, I think one – what I saw in the TCU game changed a little bit, but also you just, that's one more win. So of course, naturally it, it's going to raise that total. So I think I, I still see six, but five would not shock me in the slightest just because it, you can say that these are winnable road games, but they're still road games. And Iowa state hasn't proven that they could win one of those yet. You get three of the four, three or next four on the road. Uh, your two home games are against easily one of the two best teams in the conference. In Kansas, you could really make the argument that they're the third best team in the conference. Yeah. And then, of course, you finish with K-State. So not the easiest schedule, but the Big 12 is clearly down, and, and there are some winnable games. And I'll just go ahead and make my 2024 Big 12 prediction. I'm picking Arizona to win it all after – after watching them beat USC, no, I'm kidding. That was my, that was my, that was my instant reaction hot take to watching Arizona USC on Saturday night at like 12:45 in the morning. I'm like, okay, Arizona's coming in and winning this league next year. If 
if they've got that quarterback and that six five receiver back, maybe I don't, they're impressive. But uh, yeah, that's going to be a fun league. It really is. Yeah, I, I can't wait. And I, I'm certainly not the first person to say this, but the Jack Trice legacy game was it was near perfection. I wasn't there in person to experience it, but from everything that I saw on TV, everything that I saw on social media, it looked like a perfect night and what a way to honor an incredible story of Jack Trice. And I'm certainly not the first one to advocate for this. I think this should be an annual game. Play it first, first October home game of the year. You wear some throwback uniforms. You make it Jack Trice week, educating the students on the legacy of Jack Trice, the importance of Jack Trice. And then of course that's important but also, it goes into the national spotlight, and you get to tell the Jack Trice story. I don't see a downside to this. It's not like, I don't the black uniforms, obviously popular among a lot of people, but also a lot are like, do we really have to wear this seven games a year? I don't think that will happen with the Jack Trice uniforms if you wear them once a year. I, I don't think it'll be like, uh, it wasn't. It'll never be as good as the first time. I think this is something that could get better year after year. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, from what I saw, heard, saw on social media, you know, checking from from some of the fans I used to interact with, that type of thing, it seems like this was really a grand slam, you know, knocked out of the park. I think it was really well done. I think we expected something awesome, right, with all of this. And I definitely think it lived up to that. Uh, I think it helps kind of reflecting in terms of it, it was a positive football game. That was kind of like the, the cherry on top of things as well. Uh, but really well done. I think that would be an incredible thing. And, you know, disappointing to see while it got out into, you know, the national spotlight. I did see it, and you're smiling. I think you know what I'm talking about. Just some people – kind of talked about it not really knowing uh any aspects of it or or even the the history of James Iowa State yeah that was that was a little crazy but overall I, I'm I'm in a lot of agreement with you Jake you know maybe maybe there are like uh you know kind of different variations to do with how that actual game and weekend is celebrated because I think that the way it was done this weekend was just perfect for the major anniversary. But looking forward, I, I agree. I think that'd be a really cool, uh, memorable, and meaningful thing there in Ames for Jack Trice and the Cyclones. And then, yeah, maybe just some white pants next year. That uh, that might help a little bit. <laughs> Did that get – so I saw, like, a couple uh, tweets about it. Was that pretty widespread? Yeah. It, Nate Schuster, former Iowa State basketball walk-on, was at the game and sent a picture – of it and like I had to double take like our offensive lineman walking around without pants on I like you look closer and obviously you're like oh those are just the pants but um overall the uniform's incredible but the love them the, the pants maybe maybe just make them white or black next year but uh do you want to move on to uh to Cincinnati Iowa State's first trip there is Big 12 foes in a tough place to play, 11 a.m. kick. You can find that on FS1. Um, 
I know for a fact that if Iowa State wins, I know exactly what I'll be doing that night. I'll be responsibly pouring myself a nice glass of Steeple Ridge bourbon. One of our new sponsors was able to pick up this bottle last night. I tried, tried a glass of it while uh, watching the debut of Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks. It was awesome. Um, but Steeple Ridge, it's from Lonely Oak Distillery. And it's good. It's a high-quality, delicious bourbon. I, I'm not going to act like some bourbon enthusiast, but <laughs> the way I described it was a little bit, like, woody, which uh, I think is a good thing. I, it tasted good. But uh, if you can't find this at your favorite liquor store, favorite grocery store in Iowa, just ask them for some Steeple Ridge from Lonely Oak Distillery. And I know that a lot of Iowa State fans um, – should celebrate accordingly the same way. Of course, responsibly if Iowa State's able to pull the victory, but it's it's not going to be an easy one. The Cyclones are five point underdogs on our at our friends at Circus Sports Iowa. What did you, what did you think of that line before we really get into the actual game? What did you kind of think? Is that a fair number? I think it was fair, just because Iowa State's. Road uh, road record this year hasn't been kind. Of course, just 0-2, but a blowout loss to OU and, and of course, a, a really bad loss to Ohio. But I think the power ratings are probably still a little bit behind on this one because they do factor in previous years. And you've still got some of the fickle numbers for Cincinnati. And, of course, you've got the really, really ugly – offensive numbers for the majority of last year and the first three games of this season. So this is pretty much saying that Cincinnati would be favored by one to two on a neutral field, which I would, that's where I would push back. Um, I, I guess I was thinking this game would probably come out at like Cincinnati by two, two and a half. Yeah, I had it at a three, three and a half. Yeah. I was just curious because it's not like it's, you know, 11 or 12 points, but I, I just thought it'd maybe be a little bit lower. Uh, have not been able to see a ton of Cincinnati this year, but just in terms of, you know, prepping for this and obviously moments here and there, you know, knowing a little bit, certainly a lot about the program, obviously their former coach, Luke Fickle, like you noted, now up here in Madison with the Badgers. Uh, you know, they, they lost a lot from previous years, players as well as coaches. Uh, you know, they gave Oklahoma a fight. I know we talked about that game yeah. a couple weeks back. At I wouldn't say it. But I would also say Oklahoma could have executed better. I'm just really trying to piece together why they are kind of favored, because I agree. On a neutral field, give me the Cyclones. I think that offensively, Jake, I feel better about this Iowa State team than I have all year. But defensively, as as I know you're going to kind of touch on, there have been some holes, and, and if the team that they're facing is really, I would say, good or executing, some of those holes can be taken advantage of. Well, yeah, I, I don't want to keep going back to that TCU game, but the first half tackling – was maybe the worst, like, singular singular area of defense that Iowa State's had under John Haycock. It, there was just so many missed tackles, and 
fortunately, TCU kept turning the ball over, had a blocked punt. But if that didn't happen, Iowa State could have been down 21 to 7 with, with how many missed tackles there were. They cleaned that up in the second half, and I think a lot of that was a step up from Malik Verdon, Bo Freeler. So that will be the key again on Saturday because it was obviously a theme in that Oklahoma game too. So they have to tackle. Yeah. And I think if they if they play outside of that, the same that they did against TCU, baiting them into interceptions because Emory Jones is – he's a loose cannon. He's got six interceptions this season in four games. You can really, really bait him in to making mistakes. But with that being said, he's also an elusive runner. That's given Iowa State problems in the past. And Cincinnati's been pretty good at running the ball this year. Mm-hmm. 220 rushing yards per game, five yards per carry. So it, it's all going to come down to, can't believe I'm saying this, how the Iowa State defense shows up on the road. You, you'd never really think you'd say that about a John Haycock-led defense. But if we see what we saw in the second half against TCU, I think Iowa State might win by three scores. If we saw what we saw in that in that first half of either the TCU or the OU game or even the Oklahoma State game, they could get themselves into into a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. So it, it could go either way. What are you leaning towards? Yeah, I think that's actually – it's really well said, Jake, and that's a good number to know about the rushing attack. I mean, those are impressive numbers. No matter what their you know record really looks like for the Bearcats right now, I don't – I guess I'm going to pick an in-between right now with kind of the scenarios you laid out there. As as you'll see later, I guess I, I think highly of the Cyclones with this line. Um, you know, I, I was looking back at the box score. There were times the Iowa State offense, it didn't flash quite as much as I kind of thought it did as I was watching some of the game live, uh, just looking at kind of some of the passing totals and even – a couple of the guys, uh, you know, rushing yards, but I, I like it to be close. I think it's going to be a close game really throughout the entire first half. I think you hit on Emory Jones well. He's not, you know, a perfect player. He, he's certainly prone to turning it over, but his flashes are pretty nice. I mean, they are. You can run the ball, then you can move it against Iowa State. I would say so. I think it's going to be close. I think Cincinnati's rush defense is going to be a little bit better uh, than that of TCU. But I do think Rocco and some of his weapons, specifically on the outside, are going to be able to make some plays against the Cincinnati defense. That I, I know I said somewhat tongue-in-cheek that they made gave a little bit of a battle to Oklahoma. Basically, that was just close to covering that game. It's not like the Sooners are really yeah. ever kind of in trouble. So I, I think – there are, I mean, it sounds cliche, but it's the truth, and I think it's how a lot of people would analyze this game. There are holes for both teams. I mean, they're both kind of like with records and what they do, somewhat average teams right now with flashes and the propensity to be a little bit better, worse with turnovers. I like it to be close going into at least the third quarter. Yeah, and it's also worth mentioning that Cincinnati has a worse loss than Iowa State does. They lost at home to a MAC team, Miami of Ohio, that's not as good as Ohio. And 
I hate, I hate transitive property in, in college football, but I do think that that's worth mentioning. They also blew a lead on the road at BYU, but they were playing really well up until that point. So this team is capable of having those high highs, those low lows. And I talked a lot about the Iowa State defense. The Iowa State offense has to take care of the football. Of course, that Oklahoma game, pick six, another interception, Ohio game, two interceptions. Neither of those were on Rocco. But in games where Iowa State doesn't turn the ball over this season, 3-0. and In games where Iowa State does turn the ball over, 0-3. You combine all that together, put it on a tough environment on the road, Take care of the football, but I hope I hope that number doesn't scare the Iowa State coaching staff into like, all right, let's let's kind of young team on the road, let's let's sit down on the football. I I hope they keep attacking those weapons. I hope they keep going on the outside of the field and use that same formula of hit Jalen Nolan a crosser, hit Ben Bramer down the seam, Jaden Higgins on a on a fade route. Hit a few of those plays early on, open up the run game, let Eli Sanders, Abu Sama do their work in the open field, Cartavius Norton on third and short situations, stuff like that. And I think you've got a recipe for a Cyclone win. I I mean, you know me. I haven't felt good about a lot of games this year. I I did feel good about the Ohio game. Um, that did not pay off. But really, I haven't felt good about an Iowa State game all year other than that one. So I feel good about this game. Take that with what you will, because I've been wrong on a lot of stuff this year with the Big 12 with Iowa State. It's hard to trust a little bit. I'm not quite sure, you know, kind of how good your pulse has been on some of these, my man. But I will say, you know, it is kind of a sneaky, tough place to play. Probably a good thing that it's an earlier game. I mean, just when you're looking at kind of the the minute aspects of a road matchup, um, you know, obviously not kind of as crazy as like a night game or as much time to kind of uh, prep for kind of the fans and the atmosphere as the home team. But I'm going to kind of stick to that. It's crazy to think how long it has been, Jake, since Iowa State won a true road game. That's something that Can I it? had not really thought about. I mean, yeah, that was my first official game on the beat, which is, yeah, crazy to think about for sure. Um, I will say at this moment, I think that Iowa State snaps that streak in these next couple weeks. You'll hear a little bit more of my exact thoughts on this game momentarily, but I'm comfortable saying that. So whether that is on this trip or down to Texas to face Baylor. So let me read off this stat from our good friend Alex Gukin, um, friend of the program, certainly. Just had... His wife just had twins, and those twins are 1-0 as Cyclone fans in their life. Just adorable. He, Alex is a great dude, but he tweeted out, since 2017, Iowa State is 5-1 and in 11 a.m. kicks on FS1 and 3-0 in such games mm-hmm. on the road. That uh, That's one of those stats that feels right. I think back to those early Campbell days, Especially in October, those 11 a.m. road game at a at a not Big 12 power. I think back to like just when they dominated Texas Tech 
in 17 and 18 and 19. And uh, even that year they went down and dominated Baylor. The, these games in October, especially coming off of big wins, are the ones that Matt Campbell teams have looked the best at. Obviously, no David Montgomery, no Hakeem Butler, but no Brock Purdy. It's a new core that has to prove that. But I do think that that's worth mentioning that I, at this point, I don't think that it's a coincidence that Matt Campbell coach teams are best in October. The reason, I don't know. We're all trying to figure that out, why they, why they couldn't beat Simpson College in September but could go toe-to-toe with whoever in October. Um, I, I don't have the reason behind that. I, I wish I did, but I do think that it, it's a real thing at this point, and there's a lot of data to back that up going back to, to 17. Yeah, that's an awesome, you know, number uh, from our guy, Alex Gukin. Congrats, obviously, like you mentioned. I, I did see that, which is awesome. I'm somebody that, while those are kind of fun to follow, and I certainly give credit to Matt Campbell. I mean, I have not been short of, of that on this show. But like you mentioned, it's an entirely new team, essentially. Totally. Um, I, I think that, obviously, this is a new opponent that's joined the conference, I think this might be the first game, Jake. I don't have the best read on it. I mean, I feel like I've been pretty confident. You know, I, I didn't think it was going to be a win on the road against Oklahoma. Called the last game. Obviously called a couple Oklahoma State. You know, this one, the only thing that shocks me here is if Cincinnati wins and wins comfortably. I could maybe see a – Nine, ten-point win from Iowa State. Could certainly see a close win either way. Loving the water bottle, by the way. Um, <laughs> but I'll be intrigued to see this one. I mean, I'll be able to tune into plenty before, obviously, the Badgers welcome uh, one of Iowa State's top rivals in the Iowa Hawkeyes this weekend. But that, that's kind of my feel. I thought that the spread would be a little tighter. Uh, but I think this is a perfect time because I know we've got some big-time Cyclones at the end of the show to talk about at the next level. How are our picks looking for, for betting the conference right now throughout the year? I had a good week last week. I went 2-1. and one. Okay. Uh, I was – Mike Palm just berated me for, for thinking that Oklahoma State would cover K-State, and they dominated. They just – they killed EMA. And he berated us for a lot, my friend. Yeah, he did. But uh, no, Mike. Mike's a professional, and I'm a I'm a schmuck. So blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. I went I went two and one. Mick, a bit of a down week, one and two. But overall on the year, you're still seven and eight. I'm ten thirteen and one. And I'm taking a page out of your book. I'm only playing two games this week. Because, okay. Well, so I think there's five Big Twelve games this week. Yeah. I don't have a read on Iowa State, and then I have the rule I can't bet a Texas Tech game. So that leaves pretty much three games, and and I didn't feel comfortable about the other. So I'm a I'm going to take KU at Oklahoma State. I know that Daniels probably isn't going to play. At least that's what it sounds like. But I still think that this is a good spot for Kansas. Oklahoma State coming off of a huge win. Um, KU just laid it on UCF. 
Central Florida sucks, and it's awesome. Screw those guys. But uh, no, I'm, I've nothing. I Central Florida was favored in that game too. Yeah, that was a I. That was one of those games where I'm like, dang, why did I not take Kansas? I, Kansas is good, and it, it's weird because last year there was a lot of lightning in a bottle, and uh, of course Daniel's health was it was a big concern, but I think they went. I think they started five and zero and finished one and one and six or something Thanks, like yeah. something like that. This year they're legitimately good. I I, I don't think three points is enough. I, I I'd feel pretty comfortable if this number was at like five or six. So give me the Jayhawks here too. Oklahoma State coming off one of their better performances. Yeah, and then the next game I'm going with it's BYU TCU, a team we just saw. I'm taking the under. At 53, the TCU offense really struggled in that second half after Chandler Morris got injured. BYU has played some high-scoring games, especially in conference play, but I think that this will be one of those more ugly games. Of course, the TCU quarterback, he had some talent. He was making some good throws. I feel terrible. I can't think of his name right now, the backup. Um But he also looked like a deer in the headlights and made just a couple throws that were Yikes! That that's a guy playing power football, power five football for the first time. I think we see kind of a similar, I twenty four fourteen type game somewhere in that range, give or take five ten points. Yeah, I think I think both of those are fair to me. I really like your KU play. Actually, I've just tried to kind of be different. So we'll go with my favorite play first, and and I hope. The dedicated listeners that are Cyclones fans like this have been rocking with ISU just about every week. It's proven pretty well. I'm not for certain if they win, but I do like them to cover plus five at Cincy. I think their floor is similar to that of the Bearcats. It would be a decent spot, as we say, for Cincinnati, uh, just because Iowa State is coming off of Good win, great night, memorable night, you know, late game, a lot of things going on. But I think this one's close either way. I'd say most confident in that one. Um, West Virginia, I think this is my first time playing them. Minus two and a half at Houston. West Virginia, man, I mean, I know we talk about Iowa State and, you know, previews and the picks and stuff, but I think they deserve a little credit. Four and one, five and one, whatever they currently sit at. And they were, again, they're not bowl eligible yet, but the media in general was really, really low and kind of uh, crapping on these guys, putting them down a little bit this off season. I understand it wasn't exactly clear what some of these new teams would look like, but, I mean, they've really impressed, I would say, comparatively to what was expected there. Houston's this, is the, this is the Dana Holgerson Bowl, too. Yeah. Yep. That a, and this is tomorrow night, is that correct, or is this a Friday night game? Because I, so I, I want to say Friday, but I got it up. I can quick check. When when I was making my picks, I went on my app to to Saturday, and I completely missed that this game was even happening. So tomorrow. With, with that being said, I uh, had I seen this game or, or remembered that it was happening, I probably would have played West Virginia. But when I saw it on your notes, I, I let you have it. But I I think tomorrow. Night on Circus Sports Iowa, um, the highest limits, lowest holds, best odds. Uh, download it today on the App Store. 
I already have it downloaded, and I'm going to be playing West Virginia tomorrow night. I agree. West Virginia is still undervalued. They've had some good wins this year. It is a tricky spot, though, um, just the motivation of Dana, Dana Holgerson. You, you don't know how that can go, but I, I like that. I like that pick. Yeah, you know, I, I really do like when we kind of agree – uh, it always gives me a little bit more confidence. And then just the last one, I was just kind of trying to get to that three. K-State plus one and a half. You know, I bet against Texas Tech last week. They proved me wrong. I'm going to do it one more time. We'll see if they, you know, kind of make me look bad again. I, I just – K-State, I'll admit, I was fairly high on this team, and they've been – Pretty underwhelming at times, but they don't have to win for me to win this bet. So that's kind of my last one. Not the most confident, but I really like those first two plays. Hopefully, most likely, I'll probably be sitting at like nine and nine after this. I, uh, I'm not touching this game. No chance. One and a half. That's a terrifying number. And before we get to our final segment of, of talking about Cyclones in the NFL, I never gave my score prediction for the Iowa State-Cincinnati game. Oh, true. Call me crazy. I'm picking Iowa State to win 30-13. to 13. I think that they will play very well this weekend, and I think they're going to lay it to Cincinnati, and it won't be a game in the fourth quarter. I might be wrong. Probably will be wrong. I'm a moron. But uh, that's what my intuition is telling me, and I'll be – I'll be watching this game from the parking lots at Bill Buxton Stadium down in Indianola, Iowa. Simpson College homecoming. The storm taking on the Cohawks of Co. <laughs> did you know? Did you know that a Cohawk's not even real? No. Like, isn't, that the, isn't that the dumbest name ever? <laughs> like, it's stupid. I hate Co. Um, <laughs> you can't bet on D three sports, but. If you could hammer, hammer the storm this Saturday. It's going to be a fun weekend for you, man. Yeah, no, I, I can't wait. Get back to see some old friends, old professors, old faculty, all that stuff. And a uh, long day of watching football. But uh, let's hop in to the NFL Cyclones. I'll throw I, my pick in real quick for Iowa State. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I also think they win. Man, I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. Uh, I've got like a 24-20 type game. Okay. 24, yeah, 19-24-20 in favor of Iowa State. I do think, they, like I said, win one of these, so I'm going to roll with them right now. Uh, game should be close. That's kind of what what my intuition is telling me. Iowa State improves to 4-3 and three and obviously hopefully cover my pick there. You know what? I I watched Brock Purdy. Every snap of his at Iowa State. I watched a lot of his recruiting tape. I, I remember when when Nick Saban came calling at the last minute trying to steal him from Iowa State. I never saw this happening in the NFL. It is – it's been an unbelievable just start to Purdy's career. Um, of course, we're in the – we're in the Channel Seed Studios, but it it's unbelievable. He leads the NFL in QBR passer rating, second in completion percentage. His TD to interception ratio is 9-0. to zero. He still hasn't lost a game 
that he didn't finish. That's insane. And he looks he looks like he gets better every single week. And we're at the point where I don't think it's just on Kyle Shanahan and the weapons anymore. Of course, you'd be a fool to think that that doesn't contribute a lot. Like it's you you put Purdy in in Bryce Young's situation in Carolina. He's probably not looking much different than Bryce Young just because of having a second and a half to throw. Your your best weapons, a skeleton, Adam Thielen, blah blah blah, all that stuff. But there is uh, there's nobody in the league right now playing to the system, playing to the weapons, and playing the quarterback position better than Brock Purdy is right now. Here's where I'm at, and. You know, I, I think it's okay for me um, to say this. Obviously, my my job, whether it was at Iowa State, here, you know, covering college sports, I love that. I'm so grateful for my job. NFL has always been kind of the league that I just love being a fan, whether that's Bears growing up, fantasy. I say all that to say, you know, there's not a ton of – primetime, marquee NFL games that I miss. I have to miss a lot of college games like that often. I put the time aside. I watched that game. And I wasn't at Iowa State for a lot of Brock Purdy's time. I was at kind of like the tail end of it. I think a couple things. I think you saw flashes of what he was capable of. I specifically think of when things break down and he's got to either make a play with his legs or just kind of, you know, buy time and be intentional with that. There was one touchdown he had against Dallas where he did something like that. I'm super high on Kyle Shanahan. Of course he has really good weapons, but I think it's crazy to see media like coming out and kind of trying to basically put him down and say that he's not that good. Do I think he's the best quarterback in football? No. But is there anybody playing better than he is right now? I don't think so. I mean, there's a reason. Everybody always says Vegas always knows. There is a reason he is tied for the best MVP odds in the world. And, and, you know, what's working maybe against some of that line of thinking, like, of course, it generally uh, goes to the best quarterback, best team, something like that. But he is doing everything that's asked and more. And and you said – Seems like he gets a little bit better or something like that, like each week. Yep. I just think you can almost feel the confidence coming off the screen. And when he oh, easily. That celebration. You know, I think whether you're from Iowa State or not, I think it's a pretty cool story right now. And, Jake, I don't think they're going to go 17-0, and 0, but I don't see this story really slowing down anytime soon either. Yeah, of course, for the 49ers, it all comes down to health. They, their major stars have dealt with a lot of injuries the last yeah. couple of years. But if they stay healthy, um, they're they're the best team in the league. And I I consume a lot of media. I listen to probably two NFL podcasts a day. Like I listen to a lot, and I what I've heard a lot from like Big Cat um, saying. Where was this Brock Purdy at Iowa State? This Brock Purdy was at Iowa State, and that's what I don't think a lot of people realize. A lot of people might see the 
the pick six against TCU where he threw it 20 yards backwards or the the fumble against Clemson to end his career, for the, the, the six or seven just mind-numbing blunders that he had at Iowa State certainly exists, and there's there's no way around those. He also owns every single record in program history imaginable, every single one of them. He was a guy that came in in a year where they started one and three, and they had like 80 yards against TCU the week before he came in. That team was very similar, at least in September, to what this year's 2023 Iowa State team was. He came in, completely changed that, led them to an Alamo Bowl. Brock Purdy was this guy at Iowa State. Has his arm gotten stronger? Yes. Has his wep- Have his weapons gotten better? Yes. Has his coach gotten better? Yes. Sorry, it, Kyle Shanahan's a better coach than Matt Campbell. But Purdy in college was always – they ran a lot of RPO stuff with him early on. He was always making these quick reads, throwing into tight windows, using his tight ends. He was running – not a system, but the the knock on Alabama and Ohio State quarterbacks always has been, well, they're throwing to first-round guys that are open by 35 yards. Purdy was not doing that much in his career. He, for four years, was having to throw balls into tight windows, and that's why his accuracy hasn't, or it has translated from Iowa State to the NFL. Whereas a guy like Tua, it took a while to to adapt to the NFL, now obviously he gets to throw to Tyree Kill, who's running wide open by 30 yards. But that's where Purdy has been this guy for a long time. But, of course, the measurables and the size and the arm strength and all that. And Did anybody see this coming? No. I, did, I never really saw NFL starter out of Purdy. I saw NFL 10-year vet backup come in for a few games here, be a servant for serviceable starter. Did I ever see him being <laughs> tied for the MVP odds in week five of the NFL season? No. It's crazy, and it's a testament to Brock. He, uh, he couldn't be a better representation for the state of Iowa. Yeah, if he is, you know, it's really impressive. And we're not – granted, there's still a lot of NFL to play – but we're not here just sitting after week one or two like you mentioned either, Jake. So I think it's something that continue. I think that his arm strength, it's not like an underrated thing that, you know, is really like a strength of his per se. But I also think it's a little bit better than he gets credit for. Yes. The accuracy he's gone is he's gone on record to have said, you know, that's always kind of been there. But that can even further improve, like obviously playing with NFL talent. Certainly helps. I think Campbell did a great job with him and Brees in college. I think Shanahan, arguably the best, quite honestly. I just think he hasn't won that big one. And, like, Jimmy G makes one more throw and he would have won over the Chiefs. But that's another story. I think this continues for Purdy. And, again, you see this kind of the short-lived uh, – you know, accolades and performances in pro sports sometimes. This doesn't feel like that. I think that you hope for good health for Purdy and a lot of the weapons like you mentioned or some of their stars, because that was a great point you made, Jake, about the 49ers. 
I think there's still an argument to who it could be, like, the best in the entire NFL. But as of right now, I think, man, it would be hard for me to bet on anyone outside of San Francisco or Philly to come out of the NFC. And we're sitting in week five, but that feels comfortable. Like, oh, yeah. It, maybe the Lions, but, like, I don't think my team, level. My team's frauds. Quite yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I forgot, totally forgot that was the Cowboys. Yeah, they're – they're getting close to needing to make a move because I don't see them doing it this year. Uh, you know, it, it's really intriguing, though. It's fun to watch. It's an incredible story, and I, I know we were looking forward to talking about this. I just mentioned the Lions. I have to mention one of my, I'd say, all-time favorite Cyclones because he is someone I watched in college. All-time favorite Bear, one of the top four or five for me, David Montgomery. I think that too many people were ready to – kind of jump on the Gibbs train for Detroit, and that's totally fine. He's a great talent, but let's just say I was very happy to have Monty in a couple fantasy leagues. That team is good. He has been great. He looks better than most of the years he was in Chicago. That's credit to him, probably to the Lions as well. And it just felt like I was sitting there, you know, working on some things, watching a little football. It was kind of a perfect culmination to, like, an Iowa State type football weekend when you saw what those pros were doing at the next level. Yeah, and Brees Hall, of course, with a huge run, huge day. And I think, like, obviously for Iowa State fans, it's very cool for them to get to watch all of that happen on a Sunday because that is something that Iowa State has never, I mean, ever had. They've had they've put guys in the NFL before. Right? A.J. Klein had a good run. Seneca Wallace started a few games here and there. and But you've never had players at important positions, really, other than Sage Rosenfeld, like, have an actual impact. So that's Kane was, thing. right? Wasn't Osemele really good? Yeah, but he's not a – yeah, he was an all-pro guy, but he's not someone that fans are noticing because he was an offensive lineman. I'm talking, like – quarterback, receiver, running back. That's something that Iowa State really hasn't had this century. Um, so so that's a that's a huge thing for Cyclone fans on Sunday. And, of course, it's just good for recruiting. It, Campbell can, especially for running backs, can just say, look at Brees Hall, Dave Montgomery. That That's all it takes. And that's uh, – Yeah, and it's very legit. You know what I mean? Like, I think at times, and I'll say this – Every fan base does this, right? I think that at times you grab onto like a positive here and there to just kind of attach to Iowa State, to Illinois, Kansas, you know, Wyoming, whatever school, right? But it's like you're watching NFL on Sunday. You can't not really see it and see the impact that these players from Iowa State are having. I, I hope that makes sense. It's like sometimes, yeah. you know, for teams you maybe just look at and grab positives, but – like, you couldn't sit there and watch NFL Sunday and not see three of the top 10 or 11 performers on the day all from the school in Ames. I mean, you yes. can't argue that, really. Yeah. What a day for the former the Ames in the NFL. Let's bring in producer Aiden Wyatt. Um, I, I saw Aiden was, like, wearing a gold chain earlier. It's, he must have let that Erlacher interview go to his head. Gold I chain. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Is that Connor Ferguson? Yeah, Connor is talking right now. Awesome. 
Go Hawks. Where are you right now, producer? I'm in the Channel Seed Studios. Oh, okay. The actual Channel Seed Studios. Hey, Nick. What about me? No love for Jake. Oh, ouch. Not yet. He, he's he saying, he's saying, he mean apology for the he's saying, don't say hi to Jake. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. Well, uh, any, any, any parting thoughts? Uh, put some respect on Kalicho Assembly's name. He was the highest paid offensive lineman yeah, in the history at one point. That, Thank you. You missed the point. I said skill positions. Gosh. He was the highest paid at his position in league. Were you listening to Connor talk about the Dallas Stars or were you listening to the podcast? No, Jake, I I understand your point, but it's it it really is a special time. You know, it's been awesome to break down a little bit and I'm hopeful that this kind of is continued on the trajectory of our show because I just naturally tend to watch a little bit more pro than I do college outside of my beats. All right, well, uh, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Firmly Entrenched. Nick, you got any big stories going on at 247 people can check out? Yeah, you know, this has been a really busy week. I just got back from Minneapolis, so a lot of basketball breakdowns uh, from Big Ten Media Days up in Minnesota. And again, as I kind of referred to, a big game in Madison as the Hawkeyes come down to, to take on the badges. Appreciate you asking, my man. Yeah, and then if you're a high school football fan, it's that time of year. Tune in Friday Night Blitz, Friday night after the 10 o'clock news. Playoffs are coming up. But uh, that's going to wrap this one up from the Channel Seed Studios. Of course, thanks to Heartland Flags. Thanks to, thanks to Circus Sports. Thanks to Steeple Ridge. Really fun episode, and we'll, uh, we'll talk next week, and we'll see how Iowa State does. Iowa everywhere. <laughs>